Well, um, we're going to start this evening in Ephesians. So if you've got your Bibles, go to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to start in the first chapter of Ephesians tonight. So that's, that's where my hope for us as we go through this, I want us to see the magnificence and the beauty and the awe and the wonder of who God is. Yeah, and I believe that as we as we read through the text and we read this, I believe the power of God's word can and will transform our hearts. And that it, it's going to be, in my humble opinion, not because of me preaching or Zach or Cedric preaching, but by the power of God's word, I firmly and strongly believe that um, something amazing is in store for all of us in the room tonight. And what I want us to do is I want us to, to, as we dive into this, I want us to look at the majesty of God. Like the, the utter and uncomparable beauty of God. And what I want us to do is sometimes when we read the text, when we see this, I, I, I think a lot of people um, do not necessarily believe everything God has in the text. You say, what do you mean, Caleb? I, I think that sometimes we as a, as, a, as a people, because most of you that are in the room are probably Christ followers, lo, you, know, you love God, you have the idea in your mind that, okay, God has forgiven me of my sin. That God died, why, why did Jesus come? Jesus came and to seek and to save that which was lost. He died on the cross for my sins. And so we get that, we get the, the overarching idea of God's forgiveness. But I think sometimes we... We, we struggle with the idea that God likes us. So a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. We were sitting in, a, in, in my old church and we were actually putting Bibles together. And he looked at me and he said, Caleb, I, I don't know. How can God even like me? And I was like, well, what do you mean, man? What, what do you mean? How, how can God even like me? Because sometimes I don't even like myself. Anybody in the room? Okay, got a couple of us in the room. All right, just, I just as long as we're in there. Because I feel that same way about myself as well. Sometimes I think, oh my goodness, I, I don't even know. I, I, I struggle with sometimes my own sin, and my own heart, my own pride, my own anger. All those things that happen in the human life. I, I, I understand that. And so as he sat there and I thought, man, I, I really want to help this guy. And I want to try to help him understand that, yes, not only does God... Love you, but I, I believe that he actually likes you. Like it's not just the love; I think he actually likes you. And how do I know this? Because I, as I read Ephesians chapter one, I was just in awe of what God has done for us. And so I want us to just—we're going to unpack and I'm going to start reading in verse one, and we'll just run with it. So let's get after it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, <clears throat> and our Faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've got an intro here. This is just the introduction of the text. This is Paul saying, here I am. I follow Christ. Grace and peace to you. So it's verse 3. Blessed, this is the meat of where I want to jump in for the evening. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that 
we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the, hev- in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses. Amen. According to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to the purposes which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, back to himself, things on heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. So I'm going to finish there. That's that's where we'll stop in the text. But I, I want us to see and understand this idea of what God has done on our behalf. We see the first thing out of the gate is, is that he's blessed us. He's blessed us with every spiritual gift that we need. Everything that we need in the, in the heavenly places and on earth, we've, we've been blessed. And he chose us before the foundation of the world. He knew, like, I want you guys to see this. He knew who you were before the earth was formed. Before God said, let there be light. He knew who you were. He knew how many, ha- how many hairs of, that you had on your head. And some of us in the room who don't have as many, he knows, he, like, he knows all those things. Like, he knows these. He knows everything about you. He's like, you're not shocking him with who you are. He doesn't wake up. How many of you have ever said to yourself, I can't believe I just did that? Okay, I'm just checking with a few of us in the room. How many of us, you, you're like, oh my goodness, I, oh, I can't believe I did it again. How many of you have said that? Okay. Well, I can tell you this much, that God is in heaven and he's never gone like, oh my gosh, Cedric. Oh, Zach, seriously? He didn't do it. He's never done that. He's never looked down the... He's never looked through time. He's never looked down from heaven saying, man, I can't believe you did that. He knew before the foundation of the world who you were, and he came after you anyways. He came after you anyways. He knew you were going to be a mess. He knew you were going to be sinful. He knew you were going to be messed up. That's why he came. He came to buy you back. He came to ransom you back. And not just that. He didn't just buy you back and ransom you. He adopted you. He, he adopted you into the family. So before the foundations of the world, he knew who you were. And he was setting this time, this place aside and said, I want to make this person, I want to make you holy. Look at this. Now, here's the, this is the big theological funness of this positionally versus experiential I get that right now we're experientially in this world. Positionally, you're in Christ. You're you're secure and you're in Christ. Like, how do we know? Because the text says before the foundation of the world, we were made to be what? 
That we should be holy and blameless before Him. Because Jesus has done all the work, all the heavy lifting. He did all the, the redemption, the power of when He died on the cross, when He shed His blood on the cross for your life, for your heart. Everything was set right. Everything was purchased back and in front of you and in front of me is this idea of being blameless and holy before God because Christ is in you. So because Christ is in you, when God looks at Caleb Gordon, he doesn't see Caleb Gordon. He sees Jesus Christ. And so therefore, because he sees Jesus Christ, I am perfect in God's sight. I'm not perfect because I'm awesome. Right, amen? Ask my wife. I'm perfect because Jesus bought me back. Amen? Now, I, I want us to see this idea of adoption. This means that Jesus knew exactly who you were and he chose you. He came and he chose you. He wanted. Now, here's the thing, because there's a big difference between want and need. Jesus doesn't need any of us in this room. He's not, in the, he's not up there in heaven going, man, if I could just get brother so-and-so on my team, if I could just get sister so-and-so on my team, everything could line up and all my, all my plans could work out per- perfectly. He doesn't need you and I. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. In fact, he does whatever he wants. He's talked through donkeys. He's still talking through a few of us. I'm just saying, that's, I mean, he's, he can do whatever he wants. He's God. But he, here's the thing, he doesn't need you, but here's the thing, he wants you. Like, he wanted to buy you back. If he didn't want you, he wouldn't come get you. He would have he stayed where, and he didn't need to leave heaven and, be, and come down and be tortured by a creation that he made and hung on a cross. He didn't need to do that. He loved you and he wanted you, so he came to buy you back. Like he knew before the foundation of the world who you were and that he was going to bring you back into, the, into his kingdom. Wow. This is so, like, I need, because I think if we begin to see this, we begin not to just see that God's forgiven us, but we see that God's for us and we see that God loves us. And I, I want us to continue reading. It says, in Christ, verse 7, We have redemption through his blood. So when he died on the cross, we have redemption and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Now, when you hear the word lavished, I think of like kingdomly things. I think of wealth. I think of overflowing. I think of just a a massive amount is what I think of when I think of the word lavish. And when I see the word, which his grace and his riches, which he lavished upon us with all wisdom. So think he's thought ahead here. He's like, and all of his wisdom, he thought it was good enough and wise enough and, and, and perfect enough to lavish grace upon you. Like that's beautiful. That's big. Like that's really, really big because we need to understand that God is, has done an amazing thing on our behalf. Why? According to his purpose. And according to his will, he set forth his plan so that we would know who God is. It, 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 Paul said it pleased the Father to reveal Christ to him. It pleased him. He was pleased with this. 
And I think this is really big. And I, the day in which we live, we, we just sort of kind of, we have this idea like God's this big ogre in the sky waiting for you to mess up so he can smash you in the mouth. But that's not true. Like I said, God knew who you were before you were even born. He knew how messy you'd be. He knew how sinful and wicked you'd be. He said, I, I can fix him. I will fix him. I'll redeem him. I'll make him right. I'll make her right. I can do all things because I'm God. And so he, he steps into this thing. And I really think this is big because what happens is we get this mentality that, that God's this big ogre. And we'll go through life and we're like, man, I forgot to do my quiet time today. I know, I've, heard, I've heard people say this. I knew I was going to have a bad day today. I didn't do my quiet time. God's coming to get me. What? God's coming to get you because you didn't have your quiet time? What is that? That's, not, that, that's, that's this mentality that, that God is either going to love you more or less based upon what you do. No! God's not going to love you less or more based upon what you do. He loves you completely and perfectly because you're in who? In Christ. You're in Christ. So because you're in Christ, you're completely loved by Him. In fact, the text tells us here that what? You're in Him, that in Him you have the redemption of sin through, I'm sorry, verse 6, verse 6. To the praise of His glorious grace to which you have been blessed in the beloved. You've been blessed. You're in the beloved. The B in beloved in, my t- in the Bible is capital B. That's, who is that? It's Christ. It's Jesus. You're in Christ. So because you're in him, you've been blessed and you are in the beloved. You are called beloved because you're in Christ and Christ is in you. So this is big. Like really, really big. We've, we've got to get past this idea that God's trying to squash us. Because here's the deal. All of us in the room deserve to be squashed. Like... None of us in the room get out of this thing clean outside of Christ. None of us in the room deserve mercy. All of us in the room deserve wrath. But God, through his infinite wisdom, came into this world and brought us back. Like this is, this is big. He, he's not like God's not annoyed with you. God's not annoyed that you've come to him and you, you, you pray. Like the people, oh, I, don't, I, just, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't want to. Like God knows you're sinning. Like you don't have to. Like we, we, we hide our sin. Like it's, oh, he won't know I'm doing it. Really? God knows everything you've ever done. God knows every thought you've ever thought. And if you're in him and you've been forgiven of these why would you not openly want to confess? He already knows. Openly confess it to him. Openly repent of the things that need to be repented of. He's not annoyed that you show up and pray. He's not annoyed. He's a father that is willing and ready and he wants to hear you pray. He loves to hear us. We're his children. Like what dad? What father? Hey, oh, uh, I just... How I many? you have three sons. And we as earthly, and here's what I think happens, is we, we view, we, I say the word father, and then we get in the room, we say, oh, I think of my earthly father. Yeah, he hated hearing from me. Yeah, he hated listening to me. So we have that mindset of, okay, if 
My dad hated hearing from me. Then my, I'm sure my heavenly father wouldn't listen to me either because he really knows me. But that's not, God's a perfect father. And he loves completely and he knows you and he's not annoyed by you. The fact that, that, that you have sinned, he knows it. And he, he knows it. So if you come to him and you lay that out before him, he knows that you've sinned and you're, he, he, he has seen this. And yet he still loves us. He still pursues us. And this is the, this is the, Amazing, I won't say crazy because it's, I mean, it is crazy a little bit, but this, the amazing side of what grace is that God loves wretched human beings. He loved me, He loved how messed up, even in spite, I'm sorry, in spite of me being messed up, He loved me because He knew He could fix me, He knew that He could redeem me, He knew that He could make all things new in me. So, I want us to see that. Now, here's, here's what happens a lot of times. When you start saying things like, well, God knew who you were before, this, before the foundation of the world. It's not so, and he, he, I'm perfect, so I can just do what I want. Because here's what happened one time. I, I was told the story by my father. Um, there was an invitation that was given at a church, and a lady came down front. She prayed the prayer. And she said, at the end of it, she had, held the deacon's hand afterwards. She goes, I'm so excited. And the deacon was like, wide-eyed, really? goes, now I can do whatever I want. I don't think you got what that means, sweetheart. I think you, you missed the point. You missed the point. Because that, a lot of people will start to say, well, Caleb, if you have this, uh, this mentality that God knew me before the foundation of the world, and he made me perfect, and he's bought me back, and he loves me regardless, then I can do what I want. I need you to hear this. God's grace is not a license for you to sin. God's great. And if you ever presume upon God's, well, I can do what I want. I'll just ask for forgiveness later. That's dangerous ground to walk on. That's incredibly dangerous ground. And you, I, I, I will go ahead and contend that you probably don't understand the gospel. If you can sin and you say, well, I'll just ask God to forgive me later. That's a problem because being presumptuous and, and presuming upon God's grace is a dangerous place to be. And there's a lot of people who start to, to, to get a little nervous, a little worried, thinking that this is going to cause some sort of license for us to, to live in. And I'm going to contend that if you truly understand, A, who you are, B, who, you, who God is, through the power of the word being preached, faith cometh by what? Hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So as you hear God's word preached, and you, it overshadows your mind, it comes into your brain, it comes into your heart, I firmly believe that if, as you see yourself in, through God's eyes and God says, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I know you, and I'm calling you blameless, a blameless son will come to his father and confess openly because he knows God knows everything. I don't have to worry. God knows everything about me. A blameless son will run to his father rather than shrink away in dark corners to try to avoid him. Now, if the other way, if we, if we, if we don't confess, I don't want God to, I'm just not going to confess. I'm just going to, oh, I'll, just, I'll just do better next time. 
and we don't repent, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. But a child who sees themselves through the text and they see that God has called them blameless, loves them, he, he loves me, he's pursued me, he wants me, then I'm going to be a blameless son that's going to run to him with everything. I'm going to show, because he, he already knows it. He already knows it. So likewise, when a child of God grasps this idea, we will want to run to God because, because He's our Father and He genuinely cares for us. But I can tell you this, mark it down. If anyone, anyone is living in sin, they are pursuing sin, they long for sin, they say, oh, my sin really doesn't bother me, but I'm, I go to church, I'm a member of this church, and, but they're actively living in sin, you can mark it down that there is a problem in their heart and there's a very good potential that they're probably not believers. They're, they may have an, a form of godliness, but they're not a genuine believer. If you can sin just rampantly and it not bother you and you pursue and run after sin there's a problem in your heart and there is a potential that i think that you will need to be saved you need to be redeemed you need to be ransomed because you've been inoculated with most people in america are inoculated with a form of the gospel they don't understand their desperate need for christ that girl that came down front said oh i can do whatever i want i can oh i will contend that she was not a believer she was not a Christ follower. How do I know? Because of what she was doing. She was viewing God as a license to do whatever she wanted. She was presuming upon God's forgiveness. That's dangerous, dangerous ground. So before the foundations of the world, he made you clean. Not because of something we did, but rather because of his love for us. His great, great love us. And I want us to see this. I love this. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of his will, who worked all things according to the counsel of his will. So before the foundations of the world, he set this up. He said, this is where you're going to be. This is who you're going. This, you're, you're in. You're in. And we, see, we, have, an, we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance that has been laid before us. He's, it's been laid before us. In him, you also, when you heard the truth of the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. But now I want you guys to when when you're sealed into... Now, obviously, this is somewhat of a controversial topic in the text. Because if, you, if the Holy Spirit seals you in, if the Holy Spirit seals you, who can break the seal? No one. No one. No one. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the What? The guarantee. He is the guarantee of your inheritance. You've, you've had an inheritance laid before you. That inheritance can't be pulled away by any man. 
Anyone, no one can pull that inheritance from you. You've been promised this. The Holy Spirit is holding this as a guarantee for you until you take hold of it, until you possess it, until you get a hold of that. Why? To the praise of His glory. He, he sets you apart. He sets you apart. And this is what I want us to see in the text is that He knows us. He sees us. He's followed you. And He's, he's living for a, his glory, and B, for your good. As a child, as his child. Now, you, as his child, have these things laid before you. What? An, inher- an inheritance. An inheritance. So according to his purpose, he called you in order that you might be redeemed. That you might be set apart, that you might be cleaned, that you might be perfect and blameless and in the beloved. Like, I want us to stop living like God's annoyed with us because here's the thing, God is not annoyed with you. God knows who you are. He adopted you. And if you, if you, know, if you look at your history, if you look at Christian history, Bible history, people that were adopted had more rights. I just think that's awesome. We're adopted by the king. He's called us into this thing and he's, he loves us. Regard, he loves us. He set us apart. I think if we get this in our heads, it'll cause us to run to our father and we'll, we'll not try to hide our sins, but we'll openly confess and say, okay, God, I know you know that this is going on in my life. I know that there's sin in my heart. I know that I've got anger. I know that I've got bitterness. I know that I've got all these things going on in my heart. I know that you know about me. And so because you already know this, God, I'm, gonna, I'm just, yes. I'm going to openly repent. I'm going to openly confess because you know all things and you're sovereign over all things. When I say all things, that means everything. That means you and me. Sovereign over you and I. Over you and I. He's he's in charge. And I think if we got this, we'd stop shrinking away. And we here's the thing. The reason you and I go, oh, I'd spend more time in the Word of God, but man, I'd go. I'm just busy. Hogwash. You're not busy. We do what we want to do. We go where we want to go. The reason we don't spend time in God's word is because I personally believe we know that it's going to reveal stuff about us. It's a mirror. It's going to, re- oh, man, if I stay in here long enough, I'm going to, I'm going to see something I don't, that it's a defect. And how silly of that is that, is, is that of you and I? How silly is that of you and I that we would sit and we would just not want to find where we need to repent, where we need to get right with the Lord. I don't want to do that because if I, if I do that, then I, I don't want to do that. That's silly. And, to our, and that's to our own detriment. To our own detriment, this is what this is. But the Lord laid this out and he said, I've got a guarantee for you. I've got an inheritance for you that is beyond anything. The inheritance that God has laid out for you is beyond anything you and I can even begin to comprehend. Like you and I just, we don't, we don't, we cannot comprehend it. We just can't. So I want us, I'm going to, I'm going to,
I'm going to end here shortly. I'm going to have Zach come up. He's going to continue in Ephesians 2. But I want you guys to understand something. As we, as we finish this out and you see this in this text, that God knows you before the foundation of the world. He knew who you were. And your sin does not catch him off guard. He's not shocked by your sin. So why in the world would you want to try to finagle and play like you don't need to repent? If God already knows about it, why in the world hold it back? If God already knows that you've got sin in your life, why in the world would you ignore it? Confess openly. A mark of a Christian... A mark of a genuine Christian is a person who will live in constant confession and repentance. And I said this Sunday to, our, to my congregation, I said, this is what this looks like. Your life should look like a saw blade. The moment that you repent is the moment that you should confess. Like we shouldn't re- like sin, 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 and then come to an event like this and be like, oh, now's the time to repent. No. That the moment the Holy Spirit, the moment the Holy Spirit says, Ah, don't do that. That's the moment that you confess and repent. That's the moment that that changes. And this is how we know that that God knows these things about you and he loves you and he wants you. So that's our our hope. So, Father, I thank you. Thank you for the time, Father, for this word. God, help us to see that you're for us, that that you love us, that we're... Those that are, of, those that are of, of us that are in you, Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for us that are in Christ. That we're a blameless son. And that if we live in this and we see this as, we, as the text lays out, Father, that this would be an opportunity for us to run to you and not ignore our sin, but openly do business with you like we need to. Help us, Father, to see this. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, we'll continue here. Just Zach, I want you to come on up. Um, Zach and I have known each other 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Uh, we used to work together in a tech support group. And wore the headsets and all that. And Zach... Zach, um, God's transformed this dude's life. Like completely, I would I mean 180. I would say 180. And he has a ferocious appetite for the word of God. And he has shared insight into my heart and told me things and shared with me out of God's word. Things that I was like, oh, wow, I need to hear that. And so I want you guys to welcome Zach Costello.